Chapter Thirty Four of Southern Arabia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Southern Arabia by James and Mabel Bent. Chapter Thirty Four Back to the Ocean. After several days at Adahan, we climbed down northward our journey was only three miles along a very narrow valley but we made much more of it climbing after plants and shells we stopped at the first little flat place that would hold our tents a sort of small shelf more than knee-deep in that awful grass and though we really enjoyed that camp for two days pain was our portion all the time the scenery was magnificent and all the more striking that the mountains having cast off their lichen covering gleamed out in their glowing red all round us there was such steepness that it was a work of great difficulty to set up my camera anywhere we had a very steep descent after that over sharp stones to the plain my husband and i as usual when on foot starting before the others and though we were sorry when we finally quitted the mountains we were glad enough to find ourselves on our camels again to be carried to souk where we decided to stay as we heard that the sultan's boat was there and the sultan himself was not so very far off we wished to engage the ship for our return to aden before leaving the screw steamer canara my husband had begged the captain to take a letter to bombay requesting that the british india steam navigation company would send a steamer for us and let us know about it by some dhow a dhow had arrived from bombay with no letter for us but with news of the plague so we became afraid that if the plague prevented the steamer from coming and we waited for it we might have to stick on socotra during the whole of the southwest monsoon my husband therefore began parleying about sailing boats and had sent amar from adahan and the sultan had sent his captain up to meet us dr schweinfurth sees in the present name of socotra a hindu origin and the survival of the hindu name diu sukutura which the greeks after their easy-going fashion changed into dioscorides this is very ingenious and most likely correct when the portuguese reached the island in fifteen thirty eight they found the arab sheikh dwelling at the capital called zoko now in ruins and still called souk a survival doubtless of the original name the old capital of zoko is a delicious spot and the ruins are buried in groves of palm trees by the side of a large and deep lagoon of fresh water this lagoon is only separated from the sea by a narrow belt of sand and shingle and it seems to me highly probable that this was the ancient harbour where the boats in search of the precious products of the island found shelter 
the southern coast of arabia affords many instances of these silted harbours and the northern coast of socotra is similar many of the lagoons or cores as they call them being deep and running over a mile inland the view at suk over the wide lagoon fringed with palm groves on to the jagged heights of mount hagier rising immediately behind is i think to be placed amongst the most enchanting pictures i have ever seen extensive excavation of souk might probably bring to light some interesting relics of the earlier inhabitants of this island but it would have to be deep as later edifices have been erected here and labor and tools would have to be brought from elsewhere the present capital is called tamarida by arabs and foreigners and hadibo by the natives and its construction is quite of a modern date the name is apparently a latinized form of the arabic tamar or date fruit which tree is largely cultivated there much is said by old writers about the greek colonists who came to socotra in ancient times but i cannot help thinking that the hellenic world never carried its enterprise much in this direction for if the greeks did they have left no trace whatsoever of their existence there i should think few places in the world have pursued the even tenor of their way over so many centuries as socotra has Yakut, writing seven hundred years ago speaks of the arabs as ruling here the author of the periplus more than one thousand years ago tells us the same thing and now we have a representative of the same country and the same race governing the island still socotra has followed the fortunes of arabia throughout the same political and religious influences which have been at work in arabia have been felt here socotra like arabia has gone through its several stages of pagan christian and mohammedan beliefs the first time the island came in contact with modern ideas and modern civilization was when the portuguese occupied it in fifteen thirty eight and this was as we have seen ephemeral then the island fell under the rod of wahhabi persecution at the beginning of this century as did nearly the whole of arabia in those days in eighteen thirty five it was for a short time brought under direct british influence and indian troops encamped on the plain of tamarida it was then uncertain whether aden or socotra would be chosen as a coaling station for india and lieutenant wellstead was sent in the palinurus to take a survey of it but doubtless the harbourless condition of the island and the superior position of aden in that respect caused the decision in favour of aden the advantages aden afforded for fortification and for commanding the mouth of the red sea influenced the decision and socotra with its fair mountains and rich fertility was again allowed to relapse 
into its pristine state of quiescence and the british soldier was condemned to sojourn on the barren burning rocks of aden instead of in this island paradise finally in eighteen seventy six to prevent the island being acquired by any other nation the british government entered into a treaty with the sultan by which the latter gets three hundred sixty dollars a year and binds himself and his heirs and successors amongst other things to protect any vessel foreign or british with the crew passengers and cargo that may be wrecked on the island of socotra and its dependencies and it is understood that the island is never to be ceded to a foreign power without british consent a more peaceful law-abiding people it would be hard to find elsewhere such a sharp contrast to the tribes on the south arabian coast they seem never to quarrel amongst themselves as far as we could see and the few soldiers sultan salem possesses have a remarkably easy time of it our luggage was invariably left about at night without any one to protect it and none of it was stolen and after our journeys in southern arabia the atmosphere of security was exceedingly agreeable the only thieves were the white and yellow vultures who sat on guard around our kitchen and were always ready to carry off our meat and made many valiant attempts to do so money is scarce in the island and so are jealousies and probably the bedouin of socotra will remain in their bucolic innocence to the end of time if no root of bitterness in the shape of modern civilization is planted amongst them it is undoubtedly a providential thing for the socotran that his island is harbourless that his mountains are not auriferous and that the modern world is not so keen about dragon's blood which is still called the blood of two brothers frankincense and myrrh as the ancients were a thing we regretted very much in leaving socotra was the delightful piece of travelling without an armed escort which we had not enjoyed for years we knew we should soon be travelling again with soldiers in arabia there is a wretched hamlet of somali at souk which had been visited by us from hadibo we had only one night at souk and in the morning my husband and matthaios went off on foot to haula or haulaf to see the boat this is where the sultan lives i believe the boat was actually at cordelicia they did not think it would have been so far or they would have taken camels it was a three-mile tramp in the sand my husband and matthaios came back from haula very hot and tired not having seen the sultan he was sleeping or praying all the time the mode in which moslems say not at home in short he was keeping out of the way they described the boat as everything that was delightful though people not so well accustomed as we were to voyaging in these ships might not agree with them but it was impossible to come to terms 
they had had a very stormy interview with the sultan's captain who said that one thousand rupees was the lowest price my husband said he had paid no more for the steamer and we had all had beds provided and food eight hundred was his highest price the sultan has a miserable house in a very uncomfortable spot surrounded by a few huts belonging to fishermen who go out on little rafts made of bundles of palm-leaf ribs to drop the traps for fish we then moved to hadibo again going along the shore and encamping quite in a different place to that in which we were at first we were in a nice date grove by the lagoon and close to the beach we now commenced a time of dreadful uncertainty as to how or when we could leave the island hearing nothing from the sultan matthaios was sent on a camel to offer eight hundred rupees and returned most indignant two thousand being the lowest price asked that is one hundred twenty four pounds later the captain came agreed to the eight hundred and said my husband must pay four hundred at sunset to get wood and water as the men never came for the money till we were in bed they were sent off till next morning when they came very early and asked for paper to write the contract my husband produced some with pen and ink they said they could only write with a pencil but when that was got the captain said five hundred must be paid he did not want it himself nor yet the sultan but the sailors did my husband then said he would complain to the wali of aden and they all suddenly departed and the captain we heard went to kadhop where there was another boat in order to prevent its owner spoiling the sultan's bargain two days after we had a message to say we were to pay the whole eight hundred rupees at once that the sultan was coming to fetch it himself and that we should positively start that day no sultan came but next day a very affectionate letter from him said he would come round with the ship at sunset we had to forgive his non-appearance that time as there was such a storm that we could not in any case have passed the surf next day he came by land to the castle where we had seen him and sent to ask my husband to bring the money so he went attended by myrmidons bearing money-bags pen and paper but as the sultan would not sign the contract the money was brought back at midday there was an apology sent with two lambs and a little calf and at sunset the sultan really arrived at our camp signed the contract and carried off the money so we left next day we had plenty to do so were quite occupied all this time i used to develop photographs for i had my dark tent set up i had awful trials to bear the water was so warm that the gelatine frilled in spite of alum and what was worse when i put the negatives in the hyposulfate of soda they ran off their supports like so much hot starch some i saved but i never dared do more than carefully dip them in the hypo 
and even then it seemed to froth up at once i had a good many negatives marked by this and had to smooth off the bubbles with my hands regardless of their color and i had to work at night for coolness we had very little milk while there none till the last two days a man was drinking a bowl full in our camp and this is the surprising way in which he did it he dipped his hand in and sucked his fingers not clean ones at first and so continued till he had finished it all up our visitors used sometimes suddenly to hurry off to pray choosing a bit of damp sand and when they returned some of the sand was sticking to their foreheads the longer that sand stayed on the better as it was considered a sign of a religious man we had an anxious battle with white ants also a basket was nearly devoured by them but our best steamer raiment was preserved by the inner lining of american cloth though they were sitting on it in sheets we had remarked in south africa that they never eat mackintosh the basket was brushed over the sea steeped in the lagoon and inundated with boiling water this was the only thing attacked of all that we had left behind when we were in hadibo the first time our brown ship seventy feet in length by fifteen wide did really look a very mere nutshell to go five hundred miles over the great ocean in but it was far far better than some we had been in from the deck socotra looked almost too beautiful to live the weather was very rough the sailors not nearly ready and it was midday before we started by this time all the servants were prostrate and my husband had to get the sailors to help him in setting up our beds and arranging the baggage in the place between decks astern which was three and a half feet high and as the beds had to be tied to each other two feet apart as well as to the sides of the ship we had to bend low and step high when moving about the two somali servants managed wonderfully to take it in turns to be well after a bit but matthaios was one of the worst so food was a difficulty and his wrath was great when mahmoud having made us tea like ink he found the tea canister empty we had rough weather enough but the wind was favourable we were always afraid of falling off our seats at meals for we were perched anywhere on anything we could get round our kitchen box as a table bruises alone were not the cause of our terror but the fact is that the sailors were always shaking their raiment and making those searching and successful investigations accompanied by that unmistakable movement of the elbows and backs of the thumbnails which literally give one the creeps the captain had a compass but no other instrument of any kind and none of the sailors seemed to know the way they showed us islands which we knew to be such as the african coast and cape guardafui where we knew it could not be 
on the third evening we saw the asiatic coast and at sunset we saw the jagged jebel shemshan very far away and of course hoped to see it nearer next day but when we woke in the morning my husband went out to see the cause of the unusual rocking of the ship and still more unusual silence and found everyone asleep and the ship lying to out of sight of any land the captain said they imagined we had passed a den in the dark and thinking they should soon be among rocks or coral reefs had stopped a dreadful uproar then arose and every one on the ship shouted different directions for steering my husband desired them to steer north that we might find land as none of them had any idea of our longitude at last we saw a steamer presumably from aden and getting north of her and steering west we at length had africa on our port side again and reached aden by the following sunrise though it took us till two o'clock to get into port End of chapter 34 Recording by Shena Sayre, Fresno, California